I make time. Like think about all the time you waste looking at your screen, watching TV, stuff like that. No, that's time you can spend making art. Welcome to Show Up or Shut Up with Wendy Solganic, also known as Willa.Wanders on Instagram. This podcast features real and raw conversation about the lives of prolific makers. What is really happening behind all of those gorgeous photos of art on Instagram? How we came to be prolific makers? What makes us consistently show up? and the very real challenges that we all face. This episode of Show Up or Shut Up is brought to you by my online course, The Willa Journals Course. Learn everything you need to know to make one-of-a-kind, bespoke, mixed-media mashup journals. And by The Bookmaker Collective, Discover your bookmaker confidence as you learn new bookmaking techniques or reimagine old ones while creating and constructing artisan books from start to finish during online weekend-long live workshop experiences. I've been getting a lot of really nice response to this podcast in emails and DMs. And I just want to let people know that if they have sent me a DM or an email and we've talked and I've asked if I can read your letter on the podcast, but then I didn't end up reading your letter on the podcast, just know that I'm sorry. And my intention is always to read all of the beautiful letters on the podcast, but sometimes I get very distracted and then I forget to do that. But this week, I am not forgetting to do that. And I have a beautiful letter from Nicole. And what Nicole said was, Hi, Wendy. I just wanted to reach out and let you know I've been very much enjoying the podcast. I've always been attracted to mixed media art, but didn't consider myself an artist. About five years ago, I started making collages with magazines and enjoyed combining colors, patterns, and textures. I've always admired mixed media art, though, and wanted to try other mediums. During the pandemic, I decided to stay off of Facebook and spend my social media time on Instagram and only follow artists. Your podcast has been incredibly encouraging. I so appreciate hearing about how artists got to where they are. And I love your message that all you need to do is keep showing up. Thank you for demystifying the artistic process and creating a place to have honest, vulnerable conversations about creating. Keep them coming with gratitude and admiration. Nicole. Well, Nicole, thank you so, so much for that letter. You have no idea how much that inspires me just to keep going. So thank you. Our guest today on the podcast is Roxanne Paget. Roxanne has been creating stuff and making messes since she was four or five years old using whatever materials she could find around the house. 
Usually it was paper, magazines, old books, tape, glue, and items collected from nature. She does the same thing today, but now she calls it mixed media. She believes that everyone is creative and she loves to support her as well as others creative process. Roxanne's personal motto is fear no color. The play and process is more important to Roxanne than the product. She is the creative director at the Museum of Children's Art in Oakland, California. Roxanne also teaches adult art classes in the Bay Area of San Francisco, California, and throughout the United States. She's also the author of a book called Acrylic Techniques in Mixed Media, Layer, Scribble, Stencil, Stamp, published by North Light Books. You can find Roxanne on Instagram at roxpaget. That's R-O-X-P-A-D-G-E-T-T. Or you could email her at roxanne at mocha.org. Hi, Wendy. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for working through that. Oh my gosh. Just, I'll just say for everyone who is going to end up listening to this, I've never had so many technical problems getting someone on and it's like some sort of miracle that we're on together. <laughs> I'm <But> not surprised. <laughs> you had the wherewithal to work through it. So for everyone out there, welcome to Show Up or Shut Up with Wendy Solganic. And we are here today with Roxanne Paget. Is that how you pronounce your name? Paget? You got it. You got it. That's right. Beautiful. And I was turned on to Roxanne and her work by Andrea Shebelu at A Work of Heart. Oh, yeah. In San Jose. And Andrea saw that I was doing this 100 day project called 100 Days of Collage Fodder. And she said, Have you ever heard of Roxanne Paget? And I said, No. And she said, You should check out her work. And I did. And I immediately knew that you were somebody that I wanted to get to know and follow. And so my first question for you is, where in the world do you live? (laughs) I live in Hayward, California, which is in the, uh, the Bay Area of San Francisco. And I is it north of San Francisco or south of San Francisco? It's south. Like where Oakland is and Oakland. So it's in that area. Gotcha. So it's in the East Bay. Yep. It's in the East Bay. Yep. Wonderful. And how long have you been an artist? Oh, absolutely. My whole life. Um, (laughs) What did you do as a kid? Well, you know, the thing I was thinking about the mixed media thing and I realized I was a mixed media artist, like since a little kid, because I can remember my first piece. Actually, when I was about four or five, I, um, I took a dish towel and some candy gum drops and I taped them with clear tape all over this dish towel. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea why I did it or, you know, why, what would make me think to do that? And I remember, you liked pattern already. <laughs> right. And I took it to my grandmother and she was like, Oh, this is beautiful. So I took that first experience of making something and getting, you know, like I didn't get in trouble for doing it. Although later on, I certainly got in trouble for ripping out all the pictures of the Encyclopedia Britannica, if anybody knows what those are. 
Oh, um, I definitely do. <laughs> back in the day, every house had a set of those, right? So yeah. So I cut out all of the pictures that were in the center, all the colored pictures, and glued them onto a piece of binder paper and made books. And of course, my parents found out later, but that was their fault for not looking at them very often. So <laughs> wow, wow, you were a pioneer of collage art and handmade books. So approximately, approximately what? Was it when, when you destroyed your parents' Encyclopedia Britannica? Uh, probably like 1963 or four. So I was, wow. pretty, I was pretty little. You know, I was way under 10 for sure. So, and where did that take you to? Did you pursue art in high school as a high school elective? Did like, did oh. you go down that route of, I want to become an artist, or did life lead you in a totally other direction? I mean, always. Always art was always in my life, always creativity, um, you know, and then in high school, of course, the only classes I liked were the art classes and science. I love science. So science and art. Um, and then right out of high school, I had kids and it made me really sad because I realized when I was going into my kids school that the kids didn't have art and I was horrified. Like it was just that was horrifying to me. So um, I started teaching art to kids and I was a high school, I mean, a, just a general elementary school art teacher for 25 years. So that's so where did you pursue getting a college degree after your kids were born? Because can you become a certified elementary teacher if you don't have like an education degree or well, how does I that work? I had a single subject teaching credential in art. So I was very oh. Just I didn't even know you could do that. Well, I don't think you can anymore, but back in the day you could, you know, 40 years, 40 years ago, you could. <laughs> Better times. <laughs> that was, de I would definitely want to do that. That's so cool. Yeah. So, go through. Wow. And All right. Was, very cool. So did you do that for a long time? Oh yeah. I'm still, I'm still doing that. I'm not teaching kids now. I'm the, um, I'm the creative director of a children's museum in Oakland. The Museum of Children's Art. That, so this, it's called the Museum of Children's Art? Yep, that's it. Oakland, California. We've been around 32 years, and I've been there for 25 years of it. So, yeah. So I basically wow. I teach classroom teachers and other artists how to teach art to kids. That's basically what I do. But that's my day job. But my, you know by night or however you want to say it is my own creative practice, but also, you know, getting other adults to know that they're all creative too, right? This is not just for a select few human beings. This is for everybody, right? The type of art that we both gravitate to toward is definitely art for everybody. Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. What, yeah. what you're making and you're posting on Instagram every day is the kind of art that anyone who has that feeling inside of them that, you know, I feel like I want to create, but I don't necessarily know. And, and I haven't been trained and I haven't studied it. Well, guess what? It doesn't mean that you can't be yeah. a really prolific, amazing artist right. with, with some, some, you know, basic techniques. So yeah. How did you come to the type of art that we so I'll just I'll just say this for people who are listening. If you haven't heard of Roxanne, 
then go right now to her Instagram account and it is Rox Paget R O X P A D G E T T and just see how prolific and amazing of an artist Roxanne is so that the rest of this conversation will make more sense to you. <laughs> um you are a fodder machine. Yeah, I make Well, you know, I've never done a challenge and it was two days before the challenge started, I saw your post and uh, it said collage fodder. I'm like, oh my, I got to do that. I do that all the time anyway. Right. So, yeah. So that was super inspiring. I'm so glad that you had that so challenge. You're saying even without the hundred day project and this thing that a lot of people are doing, which is the hundred days of collage fodder on your own without posting it on Instagram. This is what you do for fun. Yeah. This is my fun. This is my life. Yeah. Like I have so many questions. <laughs> so, yeah. So you must have an enormous amount of collected collage fodder in your home. I do have a lot. I have a lot of, yes, I do. I'm trying, you know what? I honestly, I'm trying to pare down right now because I realized that when you hold on to everything, it doesn't give you enough space for the new stuff, you know, in a physical way, but also in your headspace. Yes. So I'm definitely paring down, but I still have a lot of stuff, you know, and it's really hard not to continue to collect more and make more. Although I'm never going to give up the making part. I'm just not, that's not gonna, that's never going to happen. Um, yeah. So I have a lot, I have a lot of books. I have a lot of, journals that I've made. And most of what I realized, most of the journals are about other ideas. <laughs> um, well, can you explain that? Like, first of all, you're, yeah. I've seen your books. They are amazing. If Thank I had you. an ounce of your talent, I could probably rule oh the world. God. Your no. books are outstanding. So what do you mean that when you make a book or a journal, it's really something else? Yeah, like, well, I mean, I do the I do the standard journals where, you know, I make a book that's beautiful and maybe it has a theme to it. You know, I've done lots of those. But then I think the greater bulk of my books are about inspiration, art inspiration, ideas, thoughts. What do I want to do? Like it, like you're saying like an inspiration log or yeah, like I'm afraid or... I'm going to lose these ideas because, you know, they're so sometimes they're so fleeting. So, you know, I keep journals with me everywhere. They're in my purse or in my backpack. They're at work. They're on my desk. I, you know, I've even done it where I keep a little journal in my pocket of my pants just in case. <laughs> so like you'll jot down notes in, in yes. written form, like, oh, try this technique. Oh, try yes. that technique. Both. But, but both. Okay. So what I, now that you've said that it kind of helps me to understand when I see the books that you've posted recently on Instagram, they are a record of your experiments and they come together really beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the, what's cool about the collage fodder. Like when I start making collage fodder, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I get, right. a, I get idea and I follow that idea through. And that may lead me to something totally different. And that's, that's totally fine with me. You know, sometimes I do have a very clear vision. Like I, had, I did one recently where I wanted to be kind of science and art. And so I had a vision of what I wanted and I got that, but I just as happy to go off and see what happens. So, 
So give us an example, just so people can kind mm-hmm. of get a glimpse into the way that your mind works of some idea that might come to your mind and then how you would execute that. Right. So I get, you know, I get ideas. Number one, I get, I feel like everything's inspiration. Like I can go to the grocery store and get inspiration from a color on a cereal box, you know? Um, I also think I'm very lucky that I work, I see kids artwork and they're very inspiring. So I might write down, like, for example, I might write down the color combination, like, Ooh, I like that shade of red and that shade of blue. I hadn't thought to use that before. So I'll write that down in my journal. And then at some point I will start playing with the materials. So I'll take one idea, like, let's just use this one shade of blue and this one shade of red and see how far I can push it. How many different ways can I use it? And then a project may come out of it, or maybe it's a pile of collage folder that's um, gonna sit on my desk or somewhere for months, and then I may pull it out again. So um, I don't censor myself ever um, with these trying stuff out. Cause I figure, hey, it's only a piece of paper. It's only a scrap of fabric, who cares, right? If I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm okay with that. So, so it sounds like you're very guided by this, this term that I have discovered along the path that I've walked on, which is what if, Yeah. what if, if? and, and it seems to me like if I was going to describe mixed media art to someone who had no idea what mixed media art is, Mm -hmm. the thing that seems to be cohesive about most mixed media art is that it is an exploration into what if I did this or what if I used these materials and I don't have a specific um, outcome in mind. I just want to see what would happen if I did this. Yeah. And I I think having constraints, like saying like, I'm only going to use two colors or I'm only going to use colors I don't like. I think pushes your creativity. So I think the the what if piece is really important there because otherwise you won't try it. Right. So I'm not. I love constraints. I find that I work much better with constraints. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. Like I love like what I said when I saw your challenge is like, oh, I love it. And I actually feel like I've done a lot of things I wouldn't have normally done because of that challenge. So. Wow. I mean, when I look at what you're, you're making a ton of videos and showing people how you're trying different things out. And to be honest, without this conversation, I didn't really understand necessarily Mm -hmm. what was going on in your (laughs) world. Like, I didn't know if you had been a teacher of mixed media for 30 years, and you were just trying to collect all of your best techniques and get them into some form where somebody else could make use of them. I didn't realize that what you were doing was really just saying, what if, and, and, and doing like a new exploration again, not yeah. necessarily totally new. Cause obviously yeah. you have all this experience, yeah. but you're, you're really an example of how to take that. What if philosophy and make these really incredible things yeah, with have, that in your heart. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just how I work. Um, and I, I hope that other people like get that they have that power too. 
Like it's not, I'm, I'm not super special. Like you can take a piece of paper and play and just see what happens. Um, you know, I think people get so hung up on the white page or the white, the fancy cloth. Nothing's precious, right? <laughs> no, I no. definitely agree with you. And I think that again, having this conversation, I'm going to approach your inspiration that you are so generously sharing with us much differently. Again, I think I thought something else. I think I thought that you had already worked out all these techniques. And again, like, I think I'm going to go back now and have a whole different experience of seeing what you're doing that could become really inspiring to me and really anybody who listens to this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying stuff out and yeah, like you said, like none of it's like super brand new, like, yeah, I layer, I've been layering stuff for 20, 30 years, but. When you say layering, do you mean layering paint and marks and. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. You don't mean layering many layers of paper or fabric or something like that. Well, all of it, all of it. So it's, you know, could be paint, paper, mark making, uh, whatever, you know, I love, I love art mediums that allow you to use several materials at once. Like I used to do cloth dolls. I was a cloth doll maker for many, many years because I thought, oh, I can put beads in it and and stuff from nature and fabric and a little bit of paper but I did that for about 15 years but then the mixed media thing man that just I kept going back to that so it's like why don't you just stay here why don't you just stay in this mixed media world of paper and books and and see where that goes so I've been there a lot how did you get turned on to mixed media art uh I was doing the cloth doll stuff and I think I went to one of the art fests. Remember Tisha Moore? We all are so inspired by Tisha Moore. Um, I went to one one of the art fests, like one of the first ones, and I was like, "Okay, this is it. This is this is what I do, right?" <laughs> so you know, I think you're going to have to explain this because, well, I'll tell you a few things. One of the things, because because you don't know really anything about me, but. One of the things yeah. is that I was working in an in art industry, but I was not at all working with mixed media. And I only in the last few years picked up mixed media. So I'm coming into this from a very different place than a lot of the people who've been working in mixed media for decades. Wow. Even though I am 50 years old, I'm very, very new. I'm like a mixed media infant. That's awesome. So doesn't look, I, work doesn't look like it. <laughs> thank you. Well, it's not like I haven't been working in an art field. Right. Um, I've always been working in art, but not mixed media. I was doing something totally different. So explain this whole Tisha Moore thing, because her name comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So explain the phenomenon that this was and when it occurred and you're talking about things I've never heard of. This- well, let's see. There was, there was Art Fest, and there was Journal Fest, and there was Art Fiber Fest. Um, Whoa. Okay. I just, it sounds like <laughs> I would have wanted to attend these things. You okay, would have wanted me. to be at all of them. And so I went to my first um, Art Fest. And Art Fest is like, you know, it's like a, I don't remember, it's like a week or 10 day long where there's all these different <gasps> workshops and teachers. And then, you know, 
everybody would be taking their classes and then you're staying in these um, barracks there. It was at the fort at the time. And you go back to your your the fort. What's the, the fort? fort? The fort. It's uh, I can't remember the name of the fort, but it's up there. You know, up above Seattle. Um, okay, so north of Seattle, there is some type of place. Fort Warden, I believe. I can't believe I don't remember the name of it because I went there so many times. But, How did you um, get there? It doesn't sound like it was super easy to get there. No, we got we. I flew to Seattle with some friends who are also super creative, and then we got a car and we drove there. And wow! And then we all stayed in like these barracks together. And then at night, it was like we stayed up till like 10, 12, 2 in the morning making more art together. Oh. Like, oh, here's what I learned. It sounds oh, magical. And we did that. And oh. you know, I know it was the best. And then I think the second or third year I taught classes at art fest and i taught at the last last art fiber fest which makes me really sad that they no, no longer exist because you know tisha is such a giving person and her creativity like she wants she wants it makes it so you want to share everything that you're learning with everybody and it just it's this wonderful atmosphere and i haven't experienced that fully in other events. I've done other events and gone to other events, but there's something special about the ones that Tisha did, you know? Yeah. Plus I love her art. It's so colorful, you know? So I've looked at her Instagram account and it's, it's possible. Is she sort of semi-retired or is she posting somewhere else that I just haven't tapped no. into yet? Unfortunately, and I, this is public knowledge, she had a stroke um, a few years ago. Oh. Yeah, and she's not doing as much. I can see, I still, obviously, I still follow her on Instagram, and she is posting some some things, um, not quite at the level that she was at. So I know she's, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you can see her work and all, you know, remember, we all probably remember True Colors. Um that made such impact on mixed media artists. So, uh, oh, the book, True Colors. Yes, yes. Yes. So it's so funny how there's things that were so big. They were such a big part of the evolution of mixed media art. But if you are either younger or you're coming to mixed media art now at an older age, like you don't have any idea of the giants that you're standing on and right. one of the things that has fascinated me in this whole exploration that I've been doing is finding out who those giants are mm. and making an effort to get to know them because for some reason I just feel really um like just I just feel that it's really important like yeah kind of not to approach it like that I guess the people who are doing it now are the people who originated it like I want to know right how it came to be and who was involved and how it evolved I don't know I don't know why I'm so yeah interested well, in that but I am I think it's that's important to know because we all you know we all you know I'm sure you've probably read the book still like an artist um you yes. know we all get ideas from each other you know it doesn't mean that we're gonna copy them outright although I think when you first take a class, it's not a bad thing to copy somebody because you learn as long as you give that person credit. Um, and then you kind of make it your own, right? So you start, oh, well, I hadn't done this technique before I took teacher's class. Now let me see, let me see what I can do with that, right? 
Um, I mean, I totally agree. I'm a huge fan of learning from other people. Yes. And then I definitely at this point developed a confidence that if I learn from a wide variety of teachers and I just keep showing up, that something interesting will come out of the like new neural connections that happen in my brain. Yeah. And I can't force it. I can't I can't make myself create something new and original. I can just show up every day and make stuff. That's right. And that if it happens, it happens. If I end up creating something unique and amazing and memorable, then okay, wonderful. But I can't force it. And all I, again, all I can do is just have fun. Yeah, just keep, you know, playing with the materials. That's, you know, what I encourage people to do. I'm, I get so happy when somebody says, oh, I, you know, I learned this from Roxanne. And now I'm doing my own thing with it. That that makes my day. Now, who did I learn it from? I don't know. I don't remember everything that I've seen everywhere. I try to make notes when I can. Um, but I think that's what we do. That's what artists, creatives do. So, so besides Tisha, is there anyone else that if you like, if, if someone like me were asking you like, hey, I want to explore who were the like OGs in mixed media that really made a big impact on what we uh, see now and we don't even realize it, who would you say falls into that category? Well, I think Lynn Perella, if you know her work. Um, I know her name. And she did a lot. Did she do a lot of stencil design? She did She did some stencil de design. She, um, she did a lot of really messy paint stuff, which I love. So that's why I was tra uh, attracted to her. I think Anne Bagby, she did a lot of stencil design. Um, and did some amazing faces and mixed media stencil. Um, who else? Nina Bagley did these amazing metal journals with all this stuff in them. Um, I mean, those are just ones like right off the top. I'm looking at my mm -hmm. bookshelf, <laughs> you know, buy all the books. And if somebody does a book, I go buy it. Um, yeah. So Still, you're saying even to this day, if someone does a book, you buy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Death and you wrote a book. I wrote a book and I realize now it's, it's like eight years old. So That's it. it's only eight years old. All right. Tell us the story of how it came about and give us all the gory details of how a book gets made. Show us, show us how the sausage is made. All right. Well, I was teaching at art fest. Um, and I always have, I always wanted to do a book, you know, I think since I was a little kid, I wanted to write a book. I don't know why, whatever. Um, I don't but, think you're uh, alone. I think I think there's actually a lot of people who feel very strongly that they want to write a book. Maybe it's like kind of like a legacy thing. It's, you know, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all of that probably. So I was at Art Fest. I was teaching a class, um, Lush Layered Canvas, which is like all these different mixed media techniques that you can do to a piece of canvas. And somebody was in the class. I mean, I don't, I don't know who people are when they come to the class. The only thing that I do know is that I treat everybody the same, um, give them the same kind of, you know, attention and creativity and all that I can share with them. And so maybe a couple of weeks later, I, I got home and uh, this woman said, Hey, I work for Northlight Books. I took your class. I was wondering if you had any book ideas. And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I've got like three ideas right now. And I sent her the list and um, she really liked the uh, 
acrylic mixed media book idea. And so we went from there. Um, it seems overwhelming at first, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to write a book. How am I going to do that? And, you know, so what they did, which I think is very clever, is I had an editor and she would just tell me, I just want you to write the introduction, all right? There's going to be so many chapters. What do you want to be in the book? What do you want to share with people? Um, so I'd give her the outline and then she'd say, okay, I just want you to write the first, you know, the first chapter. Wow. So that's how, that's how I got through it. And I did it while I was working a 40 hour a week job. Um, how long did it take from the minute they basically said to you, are you interested to, yeah. uh, it was about a year and a half. And then they also flew me to Cleveland. And what? I had to take No, I'm from Cleveland. Or I'm not from here, but I live here. I've lived here for 20 years. <laughs> so I had to take all of my art projects and all of the steps for the art projects to get photographed. In Cleveland? Yes. Cleveland, what? Ohio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who? Who's the photographer? She is amazing. Well, she worked for Northlight Books at the time. And if you look at your art bookshelf, you're going to see a lot of North, not of those mixed yes. media books. Are published by, right. Yeah, right. They're, unfortunately, they were taken over by another um, book company. Um, and I don't, was, I don't know all the details about that. But Was the photographer's home in Cleveland? Is that why you came no. to Cleveland? No, they had a big warehouse where they were filming artists. Um, in Cleveland? Yeah. This is yeah. so crazy. It was just some random what? warehouse. And I stayed in, I just, I stayed in a hotel and uh, the, my editor would pick me up every morning. We'd get Starbucks and <laughs> and then we'd go shoot for the day and we'd discuss like how the book was going to look and how it was going to go. And, you know, it was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool experience actually. So. Wow. Well, I was approached recently by a publisher and of course I have a million reservations. I'm not one of those kinds of people that thinks, I really want to have a book someday. Right. Um, but I'm not totally opposed to the idea because I think it might be like a cool life experience. You should do it. You should totally do it. And I would totally buy your book. So come on. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'm nervous about is taking on such a gigantic obligation. But if what you're saying is how this publisher approaches it, then it's broken down into pieces parts yeah it's, and it's, it's not as sense. overwhelming as it sounds because that's you're exactly exactly what you said is how I felt it was like oh my god I can't write a book that's just way too much right but yeah. I just decided to say what if right what if what if and I did it and I'm really glad that I did I, I now I'm starting to feel like I'm getting the itch to do another one <laughs> I feel like I feel like you could definitely write a book about what you have going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. The or other you very could, different. Or you could do an online course. You know, the, my biggest problem is no, not lack of ideas, not lack of creativity or any of that. My technology skills are terrible. Like I just recently started teaching some of my, classes at the museum on zoom but i really i don't know i think i have to get over this thing about doing the online teaching because i know it's the way 
that things need to go. And I can see how many great classes you can take in your own house. So yeah. I have to, I have to work on that. That's really like the collage fodder challenge. I don't, I don't like my, told my granddaughter go, what does that mean to tag somebody? I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, so tell me about this. Before, before, um, I just quote unquote discovered you. I, that, that's such a crazy thing to say. I didn't discover you, but before <laughs> I like noticed or before Andrea actually said, you should go look at Roxanne's account. Were you, had you been on Instagram for a long time or was Instagram sort of new for you? I, I'd been on for maybe three years, but you know, I didn't, I didn't take it like super seriously. I, I liked, I love looking at other people's art. That's what got me into it. It wasn't because I wanted to show what I was doing. Um, like, it's like, oh my God, there's like 10,000 inspirations here. You can see every day, any time of the day. That to me is amazing, right? Amazing. Right? It is amazing. So, okay, so yeah, I was going to say one thing about Instagram that I kind of, understand is um you get out of instagram what you give to instagram yes yeah so if yeah. you show up you know just to look at other people's art that's wonderful you'll get something out of it but you're not going to get the community or people right. to follow you yes. and the more that you engage on instagram and you cheerlead other people and you leave comments on their posts and I don't mean disingenuously I don't I don't no, know like, right yeah like like I don't mean go on there with the purpose of growing an account I mean you are genuinely interested in what other people are making you're genuinely interested in giving them feedback or saying great job or whatever yes. yeah the more you do that the more you will be rewarded in the sense of you will become a part of the whole like, you know, art community that's happening on there. And not to say that that's for everyone, but if that's something that, you know, if you're thinking, yeah, hey, someday I would like to teach an online art course, it'd be pretty difficult to get people to sign up for an online art course if you didn't already have kind of a community of people yeah. who you were engaging with in a back and forth give and take kind of a way. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely figuring that out because, you know, like I said before, it was just for me to inspire, you know, to be inspired. But now I realize, you know, I just post these like one minute videos and people are inspired by those. And I, I love to comment and see what they're doing. And yeah, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I just, Honestly, I'm new to it. So I'm just figuring right. it out. Really. You're figuring it out. So yeah. I think that based on the fact that you so really readily took to, hey, I'm going to post these videos. I think that you would very quickly figure out how to make longer videos, edit them yeah. and get them and get yeah. them on some type of online platform. I don't think you would. I think I think you probably have more of just a thing in your head that yeah. is even real about what you're capable of because well, I, I, yeah. you're continuously videotaping yourself. Well, it, but it's so quick. Like I remember the first one I did, I realized I'd never spoken on one of those before. I'd always just like done a quick, like silent thing. 
the first time I even did that was a big deal to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm speaking on this. It's so weird, right? I mean, I can teach an art class. Like I can teach all day. I can teach, you know, it's just, you're totally right. It's that thing in my head about the screen and all of that. Um, so I'm I had it in my head, FYI. <laughs> I had totally written this whole big story about how, like, I'm just not a computer person. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do video editing. And I just kind of, like, got a bug up my butt. And I was like, I think I really need to do this. Actually, yeah. I know why I got the bug up my butt. Because um, I make these journals called Willa Journals which are basically like a fancier junk journal. They right. just have fancier paper in them. And um, they take a really long time to make each one. And I had so many people who were like, I want to buy one of these from you. And I kept, I just kept this waiting list and the waiting list got longer and longer. And I was like, I need to film an online class because there is just no way that I can make as many of these journals as people have the demand for. That's and that's- true that's what forced me into it. And then yeah. once I made one course, which granted, you know, it was a lot, it was, it was a learning curve. Of course. But once I did it, I was like, Oh, I actually love doing this. This is kind of an art form in and of itself, the making That's of true. online courses. And I love sharing in this way. This is really cool. And then I, then I was just like, Oh gosh, I'm making more classes. I know, making more work, but you know, it's good work if you can get it, right? <laughs> it's definitely worthwhile and yeah. it's it's fun. It's pleasurable. It's it's fun to come up with a concept for a course and to organize it into oh, something, yeah. you know, I that, love that yeah. Like if you like right, you're a natural teacher. If you like to create curriculum and you like oh, to yeah. do demonstrations. I, mean, I love you all really that. are a natural. You really, really are a natural for that. Well, I'm going to be teaching at Art and Soul in June, live and in person. Um, so what is that? I've never heard of that. Art and Soul. It's in Portland. And it's it's like the Art Fest. It's where a bunch of people go and teach their, like, it's all day classes. So I could teach, right, I think I'll be teaching two day-long classes, different bookmaking. Um, but yeah, there's everything people love. There's jewelry and quilting and painting and whatever. I just happen to be one of the mixed media artists. So that see, I, I love that interaction with people live. And I think that's why I'm, I think you can get the interaction online. So it's just figuring out how to do that. What that well, looks. look, live is always a totally different type of experience. I've taken a ton of live art workshops and it's they're invigorating and thralling. Like, what's the right word? It's like they're just they're amazing experiences right. to be live with people. But the thing about online is you it's a worldwide market. So there's, you know, that's not to say that everybody that's has true. those resources, but you basically have 9 billion people that's as a, your, as your market. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I know that I never would have been able to travel and take classes from all of the artists that I've taken workshops with in the last three years online. And that's true. To me, it is the single biggest reason why my art is what it is today. It's because I got crazy excited about online art courses. And I took 
you know, as many as I could fit into my week, you know, for years on end. And now I've slowed down with it, but I'm kind of feeling like itchy. I'm like, I gotta go again. I gotta, I gotta find, I gotta find another course that I want to take. And I think it's also really affordable. I think a lot of the online courses, when I look at what you pay in person and the cost of traveling and a hotel and all that, which is wonderful, but it's really affordable. So I think it does open up access to more people for sure. I mean, it's a fraction of what it is to travel and stay it really in It's a fraction. Yeah. It, it's yeah. truly amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So in your future, I see another book and I see an <laughs> online course or more online courses. You're really prolific and I am prolific. prolific is basically the fundamental kind of thing that I'm exploring on this podcast um, yeah. is talking to artists who are prolific. And I was wondering if you had ever thought about um, what inside of you keeps you showing up all the time. Well, I think a lot of people, I, cause I love the name of your podcast, show up or shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think people make excuses why they can't do art. Like, Oh, you know, I have a job, I have kids, I have a husband. Guess what? I have all of that too, but Luckily, I have a super supportive husband who loves all the art that I do. So that's not a problem. But I make time. Like, think about all the time you waste looking at your screen, watching TV, stuff like that. No, that's time you can spend making art. Now, if you want to have the TV on while you're making art, that's cool. Um, I just don't make any excuses why I can't make art. There are, there are no excuses for me. So even though I have a full-time job, family, house, dog, all of that stuff. Every day I make something and it could be 10 minutes. I'm also very fast. And I think that I can get a lot done in a half an hour. Right. (laughs) What do you think it is about that time that you spend that half an hour? What do you think it is? Like, what do you think you get out of it that keeps you craving coming back every day? It's the you know, I think it puts you in a different space. Like it's been, it's been a hard year with, you know, COVID. We all know that it can it keeps me sane. It, it totally keeps me sane. Like you go into that headspace, And for me, that's all I'm thinking about. So all I'm thinking about is the color or the pattern or what I'm going to try out or experiment with. Um, Have and you I, heard the term flow state? Yes. Yes. I definitely think I get in that flow state and I can get into it quickly. And I can get out of it quickly. So I can I can get into it and be in it for 10 minutes and I'm good, you know. Um, but I think you're, you start, I personally crave that feeling, right? Me too. Yeah, I crave that feeling and I can't, I can't, I can't lose that. And even sometimes when my husband's being funny, you can see that I'm having a hard time. He'll go say, hey, why don't you go make some, go make some crafts or art or something. Like he's, you know. <laughs> He can see that I need to go do that. <laughs> He's a good good man that he He's recognizes that and helps you remember to to go do that. Yes. And he also helped me come up with the the logo. I had not the logo, but the saying on my book, which is fear no color. Um because one day he was looking at me and he goes, You'll just, you know, you'll you'll just try any color, won't you? And I said, Yeah, he goes, You have no fear of color. And I said, No, I, I really don't. So that was that was a good one. So, all right. So tell us more about that. So fear, no color. What, what exactly does that mean? 
I think, uh, you know, I'm just not afraid to try stuff that's not supposed to go together. I mean, I can remember being a little kid and putting on like a purple t-shirt and yellow shorts and people would be like, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, it's complimentary colors. Don't you know your color wheel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just super fun. Like I obviously have my favorite palettes, you know. Um, but it's like, okay, I'm really going to have to try to use this other palette, you know? And so I really, I really work at trying new colors. Um, do you, um, do you have color palettes that you work with for a certain amount of time or until you get bored with that? So basically do you limit your palette and then move on to a different palette? Or when you say fear no color, do you mean like, on any given day, at any given moment, you could pull a different pigment out. Any given day, any given moment, I could pull a, I could pull out a different color. Yeah. I mean, I love magenta. I have a lot of magentas and pinks and reds. I love greens. This past year, I got into blue more than I ever have in my whole life. Um, so, but, you know, I could go go to my table right now and pull some weird color out and try to play with that. So, yeah. So one of the things about Instagram and if you ever end up getting into like listening to podcasts about art and marketing and all of that stuff is one of the things that gets talked about and maybe even sometimes people will, will give people advice like yeah. your Instagram feed should have a palette and you want it to be cohesive oh. so that, you know, when people go to your Instagram account, they immediately identify oh, Ooh, that'd that's, be that's her art. So I, I was not a big fan when I heard that because it sounded really disingenuous to me yes. that somebody would try, you know, so hard to stick with, you know, only these certain colors. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, so that they could have a cohesive Instagram account. And um, yeah. it, it ended up for me that I actually recently in the last like, maybe, I don't even know, six months have settled on a palette of colors that I just really enjoy using. Yeah. And so I've kind of been sticking with it just because I enjoy it. But it only I, I only did it because that's what I wanted to do. I didn't do it because right. I wanted my Instagram account to look a certain way. That really, that really is a funny concept. Well, um, if you look at my picture on my Instagram, the little thing, it's a color wheel. It's if a I color was gonna wheel. Get, that's you know, that's it's all the colors. How can I limit myself? Wow, that's crazy. Um, but I understand why you would do it. Like you're just enjoying this certain group of colors, you know, for the longest time before I did a lot of mixed media, I did a lot of dolls in only black and white. Like I love playing with black and white, but you know, color comes in there. There's just nothing to do about that. So very interesting. All right. Well, it was lovely getting to know you. Is there yes, anything else? that we should know about you? Huh. Which, I don't know. I'm a, you know, I'm a grandma. I have four grandkids, husband, oh, wow. dog, couple <laughs> sons. I work all the time. I guess I'm high energy. Um, 
<laughs> you must be. So you're a you're working full time at this Children's Museum of Oakland, yeah. and you yourself are a grandmother. You do have a lot of energy. Yeah, I've been. Although I do believe in cycles and patterns, where you know you're you're you know you don't do as much, and that's okay. Like I don't really believe in artist block. I just believe that you're having a down cycle. How about that? <laughs> I totally agree with you. In fact. I think that if people feel blocked, they should just let themselves rest until it naturally, until that feeling comes that like, I just want to make something. Yeah. I feel like people beat themselves up too much. Well, even this idea that we were talking about my, you know, my thing about prolific, like why are certain people prolific and there's almost a push for people to be prolific and, you know, show up every day and all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, I actually do feel like if you don't feel like showing up, you should listen, yeah. listen to that part of you that that really doesn't feel like it. And don't it's not worth forcing it. No, it's not. It's, you know, the other day, I, last Saturday, I taught an all day workshop for um young people who are going to be teaching at the museum. And I was so tired when I got home. I was like, I should work. And I was like, no, have a cup of tea. Watch the episode of Naked and Afraid. (laughs) Then if you you feel like working, work. But if you don't feel like working, it's it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. You're totally right. Like, yeah, I'm only prolific because it's who I am. It's not because I push myself to be that way. And so that is such an interesting thing that you just said. Yeah. You're only prolific because it's who you are. You don't have to push yourself to be that way. So again, I do feel like I hear things out there where maybe people are trying to encourage people to be prolific. Like, you know, there's a million of these online challenges, right? Just even the hundred day project is a a thing that's trying to encourage people to be prolific. Like- show up every day for a hundred days, do the same thing. And then a lot of people get to the point where they're, I think they do where they're beating themselves up. Oh yeah. No. They're not keeping up. They don't feel like doing this anymore. They think there's something wrong with them because they don't feel like doing it. And I just want to say that I just think it's fine. Like, listen to your intuition. If you don't feel like doing something, there's don't nothing wrong with you. No, well, and your artwork won't be authentic. When you're, you know, just do what, what seems right to you. If you make one thing, one collage fodder in a week, you're okay. You're totally that? fine. Totally. You're totally fine. And so you identified it. It's like you're prolific because it's just how you're wired. It's how you're built and I'm built the same exact way. And I would never want somebody to think that if they're not wired like this, that that means that there's something wrong with them because they're not prolific. No, there's all nothing wrong. There's all kinds of ways to be creative. So, you know, you, what my, my one last thing to say is like, don't, don't try to be somebody else. Just be who you are because that's that's what's going to work for you, you know? And I what is, love it. However that shows up is how it shows up. And if anyone wants to give you any crap about that, then they're really not for you, right? So 
Totally. Well, I really look forward to following your most recent sort of journey and where it's going to go. And are you going to make an online course or are you going to write another book? I just, I think that you're on fire. And (laughs) I think that um, as many, you know, as long as mixed media art has been around and there have been these amazing artists who've who've uh, brought it into the world and taught so many people, I still think that there's a lot of years left for the phenomenon. Yeah. And there's a lot more people who are being touched by it and they have access to things that they never had access to before, like online courses. And, you know, these things that you talk about, these, these gatherings where people get together that are on the West coast of the United States, those things probably don't exist anywhere else in the world. And the world is a very big place and people who get to go to those things might even take it for granted. Like you were like, and I went here and I went there and I'm like, I've never even heard of it, nor would I be able to get there. Right. No, it's very true. You're right. It just, the West coast does have a lot, has a lot, had a lot going on. I don't think there's as much now, but I think you're right. I think the online courses are, are the way to go. So I appreciate that conversation very much. Good. Not only are they the way to go, it's like the, the going. So I think the, the market has a big space to grow into. It's, it's amazing. And it's, and it's so much fun. That's the it thing. Is. It is it's fun. It's all fun. We need a little bit more fun and joy in our lives, right? Yeah. And this is definitely one way to get it. So, (laughs) all right, Roxanne, thank you so much. I look forward again to following your journey and seeing what happens and staying in touch with you and connecting. Yes. Thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Show Up or Shut Up. If you've made some art or craft while you listened, take a photo of it, post it to Instagram, and tag me at willa.wanders so we can see what you are up to. And if you feel like what we've talked about here spoke to you, press that subscribe button so that you're the first to know about all of the new Show Up or Shut Up episodes. Have a wonderful day and go make something.